Come and dream with me. Hello and welcome to this What Do You Want to Watch discussion about our favourite films of 2022. I'm your host, Ashley Hobley. Joining me today, Dylan Blight. I'm going to be here to talk about my favourite films of 2022. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you're happy to be here to talk about your favourite films of 2022, and I'm here to talk about my favourite films of 2022. It's great I just to, be, to, clarify that happy I'm happy to be to talk here. about my movies, not your movies. Just Well, they could be overlap. We don't know. They could be. But then they're still my movies. But yeah, your list is your list, and my list is my list. Yeah, correct. It's great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so <laughs> before we get started, feel like an important clarification. The films on our list are films that released uh, in Australian cinemas between the 1st of January 2022 and the 31st of Janu- of December 2022, or released, obviously, on Australian uh, you know, rental stores or streaming services in 2022. Just to clarify. I don't feel, I don't feel like that's know. much to clarify. Like, I don't know. There's all, I've seen a lot of lists. A lot of people obviously went to different film festivals that fe- had, came out at the end of the year. Films like After Sun and Tar and uh, The Fablemans had like a exclusive advanced screening right before the end of the year that I saw that won't be on my list. Um, because it obviously came out in 2023 here in Australia. Uh, but, you know, it's just to clarify the rules because maybe there's films on our list that, you know, did come out in 2021 overseas. Didn't come here to Australia until mm. 2022. Mm. You know. It's crazy. It is Even crazy. In Australia, but, you know, so we're going off Australian release dates. Fuck well, me. People, you know, they just want to give they give they give the list of the movies that they saw that year. So if you read Empire magazine, what release dates do they use? I don't know. I haven't re- read an Empire magazine. European in a long time. because they're a fucking UK magazine. Right? It's true. They don't have to clarify it. It's just expected. Yeah, but we've got so many international listeners to what do you want to watch right, that, you know, enough. charting all over the world that, you know, I want fair to enough. clarify for all our listeners out there. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, yeah, let's jump straight in. Dylan, what is your number 10 film of 2022? Um, I just want to say for my list, so I know we're going to do <laughs> shout outs here eventually. Well, not shout outs, um, honorable we're, mentions. Yes, we've got a couple of top threes at the end of the episode Yeah. Uh, to give some shout outs and that kind of stuff. But as per usual, my, my honorable mentions are just going to be positions number 11, 12, and 13. But um, <laughs> this is a really hard list. Like, I did a lot of... So, I just want... Like, a very good year for movies. Like, I, I did struggle to move some stuff around. I tell you what, making making decisions for our best of 2022 list, difficult. Mm. It was difficult this year. I feel like it was a lot easier last year. Like, I, I was, I was the, thinking back. The, I, the, I, there was, like, what, 28 films on the shortlist? We probably yeah. could add more. So, I've got a top 20. Like... But that's what I ended up with, and I've had to, like, and that was pretty easy. So I just had to. Just, sometimes I find it easier to pick the top ten if I do the full like if I can do the full you know, list. if I can move, yeah. yeah do the full list. I just you know it just sort of helps. All right, number ten on my official Dylan Blight's top ten movies of the twenty twenty two list is the unbearable weight of massive talent, uh, the Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage movie in which he is hired by Pedro Pascal. He's not playing himself, but uh, another character called Javi, Javi, um, who is a potential bad man 
who may or may not have kidnapped the what is it? I think it's like the president's daughter. Anyway, some some like drug related plot. Uh, but the whole point is that he, Pedro Pascal's character, just loves Nicolas Cage. And I, I remember watching the trailer for this movie, going, "This this could either be really really bad, or really really good." Unfortunately, it fell into the category of good because I remember when I w- went into the cinema to watch it, I was like, "If they go too heavy on just in jokes or references to other Nicolas Cage movies, I feel like this is going to fall apart." And this movie does like the perfect balance of just referencing stuff, but not in a dumb way. Like it's the characters just talking about his movies and it sort of feels natural and becomes funny. Um, but then I think the reason I liked it so much is not only because it's really, really funny, but the, the buddy romance <laughs> between Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal, um, is just so good. Like <laughs> the two of them on screen are just so much fun in this movie. The back and forth banter. I've watched this twice. I, I did a rewatch after the cinema as well. So, um, I really liked it. I could watch it again. It's just very funny. Um, Tiffany Haddish is also really, really good in this, but, um, that scene where they get like high as fuck and go into town, uh, hilarious to me both times I watched it, even though I knew exactly what was going to happen. Him trying to crawl, cr- climb over that wall and then Pedro Pascal being like, go on. No, Nicholas Cage being like, you know, Pedro Pascal just be like, go without me. <laughs> it's fine. It's somewhere good. So, uh, that's my number 10. All right. My number 10 is Cha Cha Real Smooth. Uh, the Sundance hit of the year that Apple t- picked up for a reasonable amount of money uh, that they, I guess they kind of hoped would be a coda of 2022. Mm. Didn't quite pan out that way, but I think it's a lovely movie. Uh, directed and starring Cooper Rafe uh, with Dakota Johnson. Uh, follows a young uh, man just out of college trying to figure out what to do with the rest of his life. Uh, who, you know, fills his time as a party starter at different uh, bat mitzvahs and bar mitzvahs. Uh, for kids uh, that go to school with his brother, um, who comes to develop a friendship and more with a uh, woman and his her sixteen year old daughter who uh, is autistic. Um, just really lovely performances across the board. Um, yeah, I think Vanessa Burkhart, who plays the young girl uh, Lola, is fantastic. Uh, and Cooper Rafe, super charming. Um, yeah, it, the story goes in kind of directions you don't expect. I feel like so often there is a bad guy in these kind of like dramas, but I don't think there necessarily is one. It's just a story about people learning about relationships and growing up and life, you know? There isn't always someone behind who's the source of all your problems, that kind of stuff. So I really enjoyed it. It's streaming now on Apple TV, so. Should you check it out? Dylan, what's your number nine? My number nine is a film called Emily the Criminal. Um, so this is a Audrey Plaza starring film in which she plays Emily, a criminal. Um, <laughs> Shocking. Good bit. Um, so she's sort of this, I think she works at some, she works at some place that like is a restaurant and then like deliver food. It seems like some Uber sort of thing. Anyway, it's a shit job. She hates it. She's trying to get the money. She's trying to like get a, she's studying on the side and she, she's really good at what she's doing, which is like some art sort of thing. Um, but she can't get a job in that part because she has a, um, she has like a, she got arrested like when she was 18 for something or like nothing super bad, but just like sort of holding her up. Um, so she needs money and eventually some guy at her work at the start of the movie is like, Hey, I've got this guy. 
like just go here, follow this place, so do a job. So the, and then she does. She turns up this place, and basically what they do is give give everyone there a bunch of fake um, uh, credit cards, and then they like you're you're a dummy shopper. So they, they send all these people around. They go or they go use these stolen credit cards to buy TVs, and then they drop the stuff off to these people and of course they're planning to resell it and that's how they they make money um and then from this she sort of becomes super involved in this criminal underworld of stealing credit card data and whatever else and um of course things go good and bad as the film progresses but um audrey plaza is really really good in this um it's a very sort of it's not like a showy performance but it's like definitely one of her better performances in movies like she's really great in white lotus of course so she's just had a banger of a year as far as i'm concerned between this and that two of my favorite things i've watched this year um or last year i guess but um yeah it's a it's only like an, a 90 minute like crime thriller or whatever the her sort of the romance lead plus also the guy who inspires her love a bad dude or whatever uh it's played by theo rossi he's really good as yusuf um so but yeah it's just like a small indie film that i think they shot in like a couple of weeks or whatever and you can sort of tell to, to a degree but um it's sort of got that classic filmmaking sense of just you can tell everything's one shot let's move on we'd have the, the money to do everything a million times over but yeah i, re- I really really liked it it was just like a a, a good classic thriller all right my number nine the northman uh, Robert Eggers, uh, Viking epic, uh, starring Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Clay's Bang, Anya Taylor-Joy, Ethan Hawke, Willem Dafoe, uh, which is based on the legend of Amleth, which for, was the inf- the influence for William Shakespeare's Hamlet. Just a crazy vampire. <laughs> I keep saying vampire. <laughs> vampire? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That would have like changed things up. Uh, Viking epic, um, you know, just this man de- who's devoted his life to getting revenge on this person who killed his father and stole his mother and stole his kingdom. Um, yeah, I think you know, and this story is quite interesting. It's a very, very incredibly shot, great music, uh, great performances. Um, Nicole Kidman has like a scene ceiling moments that, you know, was one of the moments of the year. Um, you know, and there's these incredible sword battles and Viking raids and, uh, yeah, just a really bold movie by, uh, somebody who has had very toned down, I guess, uh, film so far or like smaller scale stuff. So seeing him doing something like this was pretty cool to see. So yeah, also number nine. Tom, what is your number eight? My number eight is Scream, 1996. No, oh, wait, sorry, <laughs> Scream, the 2002 film. Um, so the fifth entry in the Scream franchise, returning after some many years off, and also under the direction of a, like someone who's not Wes Craven for the first time, uh, which is sort of the other big thing, and also not being written by Kevin Williamson, who wrote all other films. So it sort of had a lot. Uh, writing on this film shoulder and it's very 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 good i was very happy with it as someone you know i'm a i'd say i'm a big screen fan i'd know if i'd have to like fight buddy for the like a, i don't know if he has to give me permission to say that or whatever but i'd say i'm a big screen fan um and yeah i'm this rejuvenated the franchise not that neither because again i'll say this every time i come up screen 4 is really fucking good and it came out way too early 
it would, if it came out now, everyone would love it. Anyway, uh, this breathed such fresh life into the, I guess, slasher genre and screen to the fact that they greenlit and got a sequel out so fucking fast that it's about to release in like two months. So that's insanity. Um, mm-hmm. But everyone's really, really good in this. I love the the new sort of cast of characters we got from um, Jack uh, Quaid being in this to Jenny Ortega. Jenny Ortega, who's had an amazing year. Um, Jasmine Savoy Brown, she's really, really good in this as well. And returning, of course, David Arquette's fantastic in this. Um, Neve Campbell, Courtney Cox are fine. Like the the return is great to see them, but like, yeah, they're like at the littlest, the least uh, screen time. Melissa Berra, however you say her name. Um, she's really, really good, Burr, of course, as yeah. the as Baru as the main the lead, I guess, in this. Um yeah, it's just classic scream formula. I like the direction they take of having like the not only the title be like a soft reboot and then play that into the the direction of the ghost face in this and then the like the because it's always screams always meta of course with what it's what it's doing and i like the mm-hmm. way all that sort of comes into and works with this one so yeah um great fun time at the cinema um great fun time to watch at home so scream all right my number eight is decision to leave uh, the new film by Park Chan-wook, uh, starring Tang Wei and Park Hai-il, uh, which is uh, the story of, you know, a doomed romance, I guess, two lovers who can never be together. Uh, uh, there is Tang Wei as the detective who's uh, investigating the murder of this man who's been uh, fallen from this high mountaintop uh, and... This the the victim's wife. It's uh, the main suspect, uh, and he soon finds himself uh, romantically drawn to her, um, and it's kind of explores you know uh, there's all this romantic tension, like there's explain all this mystery about what really happened, um, yeah, and just uh, all this this devotion and uh, how the you know surveillance and. Yeah, there's all the. I don't want to say too much because I think like going in pretty fresh uh, is very uh, helpful, <laughs> I guess. Um, but it is this story that uh, has stuck with me since I watched it. Um, this uh, tragic love story, I guess, of two people who can't be together because he's married and she is uh, maybe a murderer. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, decision to leave. I think a fantastic film beautifully shot as well it's got like some of the best cinematography that i've seen this entire year um remarkable shots so yeah that's my number eight dylan what's your number seven uh my number seven is the netflix film all quiet on the western front uh so this is a remake of like the 50s i think war film um it's also based on a novel so i guess it doesn't really matter but um it's yeah, it's a it's a haunting sort of depiction of World War One, where you follow these um, young German would be soldiers who are so happy to come fight for their country, and they think it's going to be the best thing ever. And then they get there, and it absolutely sucks. And they quickly discover that it's terrible, and everything sucks about it. Um, and you sort of stick with these characters on one side, and then you also are following um, Daniel Brühl's character's side of the he's like the he's the only actor i can remember because he's the only like notable <laughs> actor i guess in it like who's known outside of germany i guess but um he's like sort of you've got him brokering the 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 surrender that would eventually happen between um that would end the war and like when you have this this pacing between like a clock ticking down and um 
people's lives, like the amount of lives being lost per minute that's spent sort of working on eventually putting a stop to this war and everything. So there's just a lot of really haunting scenes in this. And I don't mean like grotesque, like violent. It's just the way it depicts loss and just the the amount of loss and the amount of people that died for absolutely no reason is um it does a really good job of just showing just how dumb World War One was. Um yeah, really, really, really good. Right. My number seven is The Woman King, uh, directed by Gina Price-Bythewood, starring uh, Viola Davis, Thusi Mbidu, uh, M- yeah. uh, Lashana Lynch, Sheila Atom, Hirofenis Tiffin, John Boyega, uh, follows the Dahomey uh, during the 1820s Uh army <laughs> uh, a generation of warriors uh in you know of all women who are you know fight against you know other forces protect the nation um and just following uh Violet's, viola davis's general character and her uh her dealing with you know this being the head of this army uh but also thusu and bidu plays nawi a young woman who comes to uh join the uh, Dahomey, no, Dahomey. Dahomey is the the group of warriors. Dahomey is the kingdom. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it 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 is. It feels like a very old school historical epic. Um, you've got these crazy battles. You've got these beautiful like this uh epic story of this young woman finding her place in the world, joining this group of women with like minded ideas and goals. Um. Of course, you've got the elements of romance and like mystery, and there's this whole uh, lineage element to it. Um, and then you've also got you know people who want to turn them all into slaves that they have to uh, contend with. Um, just incredible for performances across the board, both Viola Davis and uh, Thusu, incredible. Uh, Lashana Lynch, amazing in this film, like. If she wasn't a star before, she is a star now after this movie. I think she, you know, she's stunning in this movie. Just can be an action force. Like if I you know, if if MBM Amazon was smart, they would like do that 007, you know, spin off series as quickly as possible. <laughs> like uh you know, until they figure out what they want to do with Bond. Uh yeah. I think Woman King was a great experience at the cinema, just a an absolute treat um and yeah well worth everybody's time dylan what is your number six uh my number six is another netflix film glass onion a knives out mystery or as i like to just call it and so is ron johnson glass onion because that's easy (laughs) um it sounds less dumb but uh so obviously the follow-up to knives out benoit blanc back again solve another case uh really love knives out went into this Expecting it to be good. Wasn't sure if I could live up to expectations. I've officially decided I like it just that little. I mean, a little. I mean, tiny. They're both very good, but I like it a tiny bit more because I've done, I've watched it twice now. So, tiny bit more than Knives Out. Um, it's just, I think it's just more fun. Like, it's just more enjoyable to do several watches of this than Knives Like, they're both fun enough movies, but there's, there's just something about this that I find. It's a little less serious. Uh, Maybe that's why. Maybe that is why. Like, there is, there is, I think, I feel like, cause the other film, like, like classism and racism and all these things that are happening in, 
Um, it just feels heavier watching Knives yep. Out. Like not super heavy, but like in the background, you know, there's something heavier happening. Whereas this one, it's just like, it's fucking Elon Musk. And he's a fuckhead, isn't he? You know, like, <laughs> like that's how the movie boils down to me. Like, especially I'm watching it for the second time after I had this epiphany, like watching the Simmons that first yeah. time. When I watch it the second time, I'm just like watching the entire time going, what a wanker. You know, like, <laughs> just, and it, it just sort of makes it fun. <laughs> it's like when I just imagine that the, and ever ever since because we obviously watched it in cinemas before a lot of people did it was quite interesting because I remember when it came out on Netflix I saw so many other people having the same revelation just tweeting like is that not supposed to be Elon Musk I'm like it's not just me like so it's just like it makes it sort of fun to watch but um, really enjoyable everyone's fucking fantastic in this movie I don't know Ryan Johnson gets these amazing performances out of anyone he works with I feel like so um it's just it's just a great fun time. Really great, smart use of um the way they build up the mystery and then doing the I don't want to spoil everything, of course, but just like the way it sets up its first act and then goes into the second act. Like it's, there's a swerve, there's a reveal, there's a pullback of the the curtain, would you sort of thing, which is really good and that way that all comes together. So um yeah, super excited for poke face. Yeah. My number six. Avatar the Way of Water. Uh, of course, the latest film from James Cameron. Uh, you know, 13 years later, we return to Pandora, uh, following the adventures of the Na'vi. This time, the human's back. <laughs> this time, Stephen Lang's a Na'vi. <laughs> this time, you know, humans with gas masks. Uh, this time, space whales. It's a movie that, on like, you mentioned all those things and you go, fuck, this is going to be a terrible, ridiculous movie. And yet it finds a way to emo- hook you emotionally. One of the most spectacular things you'll be able to see in cinemas. Uh, just, yeah, just a, it was a visual treat. Uh, the film justifies its lengthy runtime with a epic finale, which feels like the culmination of everything James Cameron's been doing his entire career. Um, yeah, and like, I didn't expect to be emotionally attached to all these kids, but damn, those kids, you know, but in the movie, you wanted to give them a hug or like, you know, tell them it's all going to be okay. <laughs> uh, and yeah, somehow this movie got me excited at the prospect of another 10, 15 Avatar movies. So, what an achievement. <laughs> Even made me watch stuff at a higher frame rate than you can <laughs> <laughs> notice. Yeah, you can tell no, not in a good way though. But then, yeah. time still. Uh, yeah, it, I think yeah. Just the and to see the success of this movie is uh freaking crazy, very crazy. We did our fantasy game results uh like maybe two weeks before the end of the year. I'm like, eh, Avatar's not going to affect these numbers at all. There's no way it's going to make seven hundred thousand dollars in the first you still three weeks. Me. Yeah, no, I wouldn't beat you, but I think it's very funny. That I'm like, there's no way it's going to make seven hundred thousand dollars worth. No, seven hundred million dollars worldwide within the first three weeks, and yet it's all it's like already past Top Gun at this point. Yeah, Four, five weeks in or something. So, uh, yeah, Avatar: The Way of Water, my number six. Dylan, what is your number five? Nope. No, what's your number five? Nope. Dylan, to continue this episode, we need you to tell us what your number five is. Nope. Yeah, this bit's been run into the ground. 
<laughs> You're talking Maroon about Jordan Peele's is... nope. <laughs> My number five is indeed John Peele's nope. Um, his third feature film is... Um, it's just fun to do that bit. I, I, it's like a, it's a terrible dad joke, but it's... The Jordan it's Peele like, directed Jordan Peele's nope. Yep, that's right. Love that. My... <laughs> quick side, though. My yep. brother, love a day. <laughs> My brother, love the guys. <laughs> He's like, oh, I watched Nope. Um, what's his other oh, one? I haven't watched that. I'm like, what one did we watch? He's like, oh, I watched the the racism one. <laughs> Get out. He's like, I watched the like the the one with the like the clones or whatever. I'm like, that wasn't actually the plot of that movie. But anyway, us. And he's like, yeah, and I watched the new one. I'm like, you've watched them all. He's like, no, there's a fourth one. I'm like, no, there's not. There's only three. He's like, um, Candyman. I'm like, no. No, no that's right. <laughs> he's like, what? Every time I watch the trailer, it says John. P-. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's fucking. So I don't know promotion works. I'm <laughs> everyone. He, he thought it was. He thought it was John Peel movie. Um, John Peel's near the cost of anyway. Um, but no, very good. So it's um, I recently rewatched it because uh, I picked up the 4K Blu-ray when it came out. But um, it's just a. I love that. John Peel can continue to put out movies, none of them at all the same. He can play in sort of different genres. Like, this is a horror movie, but less a horror movie than his other two. This plays more into, like, a, a sci-fi thriller than, like, anything else, I guess. Um, but it's just got, like, an epic sense to it that none of his other movies did either. Like, it feels Spielberg-inspired, especially when you get to the that last act, especially the one sequence. And again, I'm trying to avoid spoilers and everything we're talking about here because it's a spoiler cast, but... That one sequence, like the IMAX shot stuff, the fucking ways on the horseback, like that feels like Spielberg inspired scale of epicness to, to what's happening. Um, and like seeing him do stuff like that and not only just pull it off, but do it so well, uh, it sort of sticks in your mind is, is, is just something special. But, um, it's also his mix of genre and ideas that he continues doing. It doesn't even feel forced. Like it's just, I, I sort of, like that it's 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 a alien it's a it starts off and you're like yeah there's an alien craft or whatever something's going on here i've seen movies like this before but then the movie also starts with a uh a monkey potentially having killed a bunch of people and you're like how the fuck do these things connect like Mm -hmm. it's and the thing is by the end of the movie if you don't like you can walk away from the end of the movie and go i have no idea why we went back to that monkey scene over and over but you know what i saw the right time it doesn't really matter and I feel like that's sort of why it works. Whereas if you get it, like not to be like sound pretentious, because I don't think it's that hard to understand. But if you get it, I feel like it just elevates everything else in the movie that that little bit extra. And if you don't, it's fine. You're like, you still had a great time. But um, all the performances are great, especially shout out to Kiki Palmer, who is on another level of energy and personality in this movie, I think. So um, she's really, really great. But um, yeah, John Peel's nope. Right. My number five, The Banshees of Inchirin. Uh Martin McDonough's latest film, the repairing of Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson from In Bruges, what, 15 years later? Uh, 14 years later? Um, it follows, you know, two men during uh, on the Isle of Inchirin, 1923. Uh, two friends wh- who, you know, have to overcome one of them not wanting to be friends anymore. And then, you know, this small town, country town with one pub, how do they go about uh, dealing with that where one person has decided that you know, he doesn't want to be friends anymore? Um, 
just an interesting tale of like what life means, what you know our legacy about legacy, uh, what we leave behind, being nice to each other, friendship, family, uh, all this stuff. Brandon Gleeson, Colin Farrell, just fantastic. Uh, Kerry Condon, she is stellar in this movie. Uh, as the only female voice and also kind of the voice of reason. Uh, and Barry Keoghan, uh, also, you know, very funny. Uh, but, you know, we all know the real star of the film is Jenny the Donkey, so. Um, See, as someone who hasn't watched this, and I still have no idea what this movie's actually about, because you watch the trailers and you're like, what's actually the point? Like, is he going to fucking kill ex- him? Like, it it tells it? you. It's exactly well, no, what but it you, is. But you're like, is he going to kill him? Like, is this, what, what's the, I don't know the direction. Like, I can't tell. Like, he, he starts threatening about cutting off his fingers. I'm like, what direction is the movie going to go? Um, I keep seeing online people, like, keep bringing up this fucking donkey. I'm like, I can't see a donkey in the trailer, but apparently there's a donkey in the trailer. Is it the, is a donkey pulling him on a cart at some stage? Is that the donkey? Is that, is that, is that not no, a donkey? No, there's like, he's got it's a little, a po- little donkey. Okay. okay. It's very important. For- it's adorable. Yeah. It is a shame that you haven't been able to see in Banshee's Adventure yet. Uh, yeah. Kind of potentially, I know people, by the time you listen to this, like you've got a few days before our official explosion of the best of 2022 list is out. And as always, we're not spoiling what's on that compared to our main list. But I will say, obviously, because I haven't watched it, I like it's one of those ones. That's the movie this year. And there's always one or two every year where it's like, in retrospect, like months later, if I was to look back, maybe I would have voted higher. I don't know. It would be interesting. Because I remember last year, it was licorice pizza, right? Yeah. Now, by the time I watched it, I don't think it would have affected my voting because I didn't like it. Yeah, that much. you didn't like it that much. Yeah. So that was that was a yeah. Was- yeah. I, I think you'll like this more than you like than licorice pizza. That's my bet. Okay. <laughs> Fairly confident. <laughs> yes, that's my number five, Dylan. What is your number four film of twenty twenty two? My number four is X. Give put them up. X, don't give it to you. You're going to give it to you, X. Go and give it to you. That's two. My- <laughs> Suck it. Yeah, Suck it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, X, the Ty West horror film, um, which also got a prequel in the same year, which is still just a crazy thing that happened this year. Um, so, but X is set in the late 70s. It stars uh, Mia Goth as this, um, I don't know if she's a stripper or just a, like, I don't know, anyway, she's like a sex worker. Um, she, and like, she heads out with some friends and her, like, boss or boyfriend, all of the above, uh, the, to film a porn movie, which this is set at the time before this is like, porn movies are a thing. Like, this is the sort of the time period set because it's like the insurgence of would be porn films coming up. Or I guess publicly available, not just passed around in secret porn movies. Um, and they set out to film a porn movie, and the movie also stars like Kid Cudi and General Ortega and um, Brittany Snow. It's got a wild cast, really, once you boil it down. Yeah. But they set out to this place to film a porn movie. They they rent out this little this little hut off the side of a, a house in buttfuck nowhere. Um, the house is run is has uh, got these little old lady and little old man in it, um, and of course. But this is a horror movie, so as soon as they get there and they start doing their their sexy deeds, and the the old people start finding out about it. I ain't too happy about that. So <laughs> things uh, things sort of turn violent from from there. But it, like a lot of horror movies released this year, this movie is just a, a great. It's <laughs> this is a lot more violent than some of the things, but it is a f- fun time. And there is one sequence in this, 
<laughs> I don't want to, again, I'm dodging spoilers. There's a fucking sequence in this. I think it may be the last person to die, which I think is obviously purposely made to make you laugh. And fuck, it's funny. Like, even thinking about it makes me laugh. So, um, but yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun. And then this, the thing that by the end, and it's revealed that Mia Goth was actually playing not only Maxine, the main character, but she's also, and I'm, this is like, <clears throat> not really a spoiler at this stage. I feel like maybe I would have dodged this upon release, but to, for people to enjoy it themselves. But these days it's not. But Mia Goth was also playing the um, Pearl, the old lady in the house, um, running around doing fucking murdering people. And you wouldn't know. You're watching the whole movie. You would not have known. Like I, I did not know. And I didn't know when I was watching it that it was actually her. So um, it's sort of crazy. And then the fact that six months later, they're like, hey, here's a movie called Pearl that's about the <laughs> like that character when she was – what made her when she's in her twenties and like what made her, 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 her. So I don't know. Ty West had a crazy year when it came to horror movies and there's a sequel coming out to this next year. Well, this year, 2023 called Max XXX scene. So, um, crazy time. But yeah, X is, uh, my favorite horror movie I watched this year. I just thought it was a, just a grand time, a grand fucking bloody crazy time. Very Texas massacre inspired, obviously, but good time. My number four, Glass Onion and Knives Out of Mystery. Uh, or, as Brian Johnson likes to call it, Glass Onion. Um, like Dylan said, just uh, a great murder mystery film. I think it's been interesting, uh, obviously, in, in the like month or so since, since we first saw it. Obviously, the Elon Musk thing has been brought up multiple times. But I've seen multiple other interpretations. Um, I think the craziest one is he's been to embody Netflix itself. <laughs> and watching it with that uh, lineage, I, but then you can also go. Oh, he's meant to be like an embodiment of Trump or something like that, and all these I crazy it's, followers it's an, and like amalgam, yeah. amalgamism, amalgamation of, of a lot of people, of but a, of a people, um, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Just every all the cast is really enjoyable to watch. It is a beautiful setting. They're filming in freaking Greece, and I'm not like a you know don't care to travel or amazing locations all that kind of stuff but it looks beautiful uh and just the way the mystery kind of unfolds the way that the movie kind of turns itself on its head like halfway through um yeah was just a a great experience and seeing it on the big screen again uh was really enjoyable but you know knowing that we're going to get at least another one of these is a delight as well uh getting like i kind of glimpse at you know by my blanks home life uh delightful you know yeah, just these some of these really crazy sequences, and there's so much fun stuff, like so many dumb name drops throughout this entire movie. Um, yeah, it's just uh, a, a really fun, 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 fun movie. So yeah, that's my number four. Dylan, what is your number three film? Since you've decided to say a movie, I've already said, I'll say one you've already said. So my number three, three, four, real two? Yeah, number three, hey. Um... Top three time. My number three is The Northman. Um, wow. <laughs> why wow? What? what I, didn't, I, don't, I don't know. I didn't, one, I didn't expect it to be this high. Two, I'm surprised there is so little overlap <laughs> so far. <sighs> yeah. Well, yes. Yes. Yes and <laughs> no. If we did the full top 20, then. There'd be a lot more overlap. Yeah. But yeah. And it's like, obviously, because you're obviously, talking Obviously, there's how, a few films I've set. I've seen this, that you haven't yeah. been able to. Yeah. Yes. And also, and then there's horror like movies that you've um, yeah. watched. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's like if you're talking about our best of 2022 list, which people will be able to read shortly. It is interesting, but I kind of like when our favorite lists are more different to that because then yeah. those lists are more representative of what we deem together as like yeah. the the thing. Whereas what we found in common, <laughs> yeah. Whereas yeah, I can put stuff on here like just uh, yeah, it's your favorite list, so you can have whatever. Yeah. Um, Northman, really good. It's a fucking Viking epic to sort of end all Viking epics. Not a vampire epic. Not a vampire epic. That's, <laughs> I mean, sure, if he wants to do one, I'll, I'll watch that as well. I don't know. Anya Taylor-Joy, she, she didn't want a good vampire this entire time. Could have been. Could have been. Um, but Robert Eggers is just, yeah, not one of those directors who, you know, he's sort of in the pantheon of, yep, I'll watch. What's he making next? Don't care. I'll watch it. You know, like, it's just everything he does is is just so interesting um, and so different every time. But, yeah, as, as you were saying before, this is a lot bigger of scope than his previous two films. Um, but... It is still, like, I guess, built in the same sort of thing where his other two are built in fantasy, or, like, not fantasy, like, fable, I guess. Like, this is, again, built in fable, which is the which is the sort of connecting fabric between all these films at the moment, I guess. But um, Alexander Skarsgård is really good uh, as just this brute of a Viking man. Like, that, that sequence in the 30-minute mark or whatever where they, um, the, the Viking raiding sequence is just, insane just crazy him, one just, shot just, just one shot just fucking killing everyone it's insanity um and then you get down towards the end of the movie of course you get the the final showdown fight and everything like that it's really awesome as well uh and taylor joy is really good in this but she's pretty much good in everything else she's in beautifully shot film i love the way um yeah the, i guess the more fantastical stuff is shot. could shoot stuff in color yeah it's crazy <laughs> well, it's, it's, who'd have thought um and widescreen uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I, it's the the more fantastical sequences i i feel are really really well shot i like the way he sets up the like there's elements of this that, that are sort of shot traditionally like when so again i'm sort of judging spoilers but when he gets to his uncle's place i guess and like a lot of the, the general moving around it's like sort of shot normally or whatever but then when you get to like the fight sequence and stuff towards the end of the movie it's sort of it's shot more like a a war epic or I don't know, like a martial arts movie, even though it's not really martial arts. It's yeah. There's some interesting, I guess, choices made with here. There's some interesting casting choices, including having fucking Bjork be in this, um, yep. as a crazy witch. Yeah. Know, was she a witch? Yeah. I think she was a witch. She was, right? Yeah. Or pretending um, to be a witch. I told my parents, my side story for this. I told my dad to watch this. I said, the movie's great. Um, he tried to watch it several weeks ago. He said he turned it off. <laughs> he said he got to the part where they were on the floor barking at one another and he thought, I've had enough. <laughs> wow. He, he barely he got didn't 10 minutes in. He barely got 10 minutes in. Yeah. So that, there's my dad's mini, hashtag dad's mini review of <laughs> the Northman. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just a fucking pure epic. And I sort of, it's, the I guess the only other vampire, uh, Fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> the only other Viking movie of recent memory that I feel like has sort of done justice to this would be um, uh, Mads Mikkelsen's one. Fuck, what's that called? I can't remember. Anyway, the the one that's done by um, old mate uh, who did Drive, uh, Nicholas Reffin. Uh, he did a Mads Mikkelsen Viking movie, like okay. 2008 or something. I can't remember his name. Anyway, that's also very different to this, but also more in tone with uh, like actual vikings not not hollywood vikings i guess is what 
the alternative as I've called them. But um, I think it's just called Valhalla, maybe. I could be making that up. I feel like it's just one word. You're about to tell me I'm wrong. Valhalla Rising. Yeah, there you go. Pretty close. My number three. The Batman. The. The Batman. Uh, of course, we did our road to the Batman this year where we watched several iterations of the Batman brought to big screen. Um, I think this is like technically the fourth reboot, I guess, of the Batman. Uh, if you include Snyder versus Batman, I guess, which, you know, you have to, otherwise they'll come after you. Uh, <laughs> and this was... I don't know if I'd call it my favorite Batman, but it was definitely up there. Um, Nick, Nick Matt Reeves, of course, a name we can trust at this point. His Planet of the Apes films have been really fantastic. Uh, getting to see his interpretation of uh, Gotham, uh, of Batman, of Catwoman, um, of like the whole crime families and that kind of stuff is in- really incredible. Um, the so many interesting sequences, uh, where there is just like, just the way that, you know, Batman goes into the iceberg lounge like several times and like how each way he does it is different each and every single time. Uh, some like so many different things that you don't realize until after you come back. That's not even mentioning Paul Dano as the Riddler and have this creepy, uh, character that, you know, is pulling all these different murders off and riddles. And like the first time you see him is like one of the, most shocking sequence like fright like you see it in my mind it like, literally scared a kid i felt this story it literally scared yeah. a kid in my screening so yeah what more could you want and uh yeah <laughs> zoe kravitz uh fantastic as selena kyle like wow uh star making if she wasn't a star already um and then robert Pattinson, he's really good as the stoic Bruce Wayne, uh, this, you know, this emo version of Bruce Wayne, I guess, uh, who, you know, is still reeling from the death of his parents and, like, has reclused himself from the rest of the world, uh, but has devoted himself to, like, being Batman and, like, uh, a very, you know, definitely not the uh, gadget-laden Christopher Nolan Batman, like a very early days, makes his own Batmobile, has, is very scarred and messed up uh has scenes of battles and that kind of stuff batman um yeah really great film i enjoyed it great score by michael giacchino uh would just been ridiculously snubbed uh at bloody oscars uh yeah just visually really interesting as well like oh the hallway sequence with the shotgun with the machine gun in the darkness like, that might be one of the best shots of the year. Incredible movie. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Dylan, what is your number two? I feel like these next two picks are good. I feel like I surely know what yours is, and mine should, but anyway. My number two is everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay. Does your number two have a plane in it? <laughs> Maybe. Okay, because if so, that makes perfect sense. Um... So everything I like once the the Daniels movie about taxes um, is a wild wild time. I have no idea how you really pitch this movie to someone other than just saying, "Look, do you trust me? Do you love me? Watch this movie." You know, like I don't know because <laughs> if you try and explain the movie, it's about 
this uh, <laughs> Asian American family who uh, they're running this laundromat and the taxes are fucked and they go say Jamie Lee Curtis and then suddenly <laughs> she gets invaded by alternative <laughs> universe. You know, like it doesn't really, it doesn't really see. And then there's a bagel. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense, but it's a one of the most highly imaginative movies I've watched not only this year, but probably in the last like 10 years um, or at least, you know, be up there as sort of one of the most imaginative movies. But the reason it's so good and the reason it's number two on my list, and it could be, it could be number one, but I'm just, it's favorites and it's, you know, I had to toss and turn a bit. So, but it's really good. The reason it's up here and on a lot of people's lists, I feel like is because not only is it visually just super uh, interesting and are uh, the insane sequences, and there's a lot of insane sequences in this movie, put together so well. But the reason it's so good is because everyone, by the end of the movie, you, you're like, you're either in tears or have been in tears because you care about all these characters and you have these really emotional scenes. Um, and then there's fucking dicks flying everywhere in between all this. And somehow the movie works. Like, I don't know how it works, but it works. The, 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 the Daniels have hit this weird magic in making their movies and making the absurd work with the heartfelt. And I don't know how, but I hope they continue to do it. So that's why this is my number two. Awesome. My number two does contain a plane. It's Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as someone with absolutely no attachment to the Top Gun, have watched it the first time this year. Uh, this was incredible. Miles and miles better than the first movie, uh, which, you know, has, I'm sure was fun at the time, but fucking hell, Top Gun Maverick goes hard. Uh, <laughs> Like, <laughs> goes fast. Uh, yeah, just Joseph Kaczynski managed to pull off some sort of crazy miracle uh, by, you know, making this movie feel needed and wanted. Um, possibly the best legacy sequel that we've gotten so far. I, I, don't feel I, like I couldn't think of so, anything yeah. off no. the top of my head. Uh, yeah. But, you know, Tom Cruise returning to the role uh, as... You know, someone still wanting to be a fighter pilot, you know, still want to go as far as he can in planes, um, who has to, who gets recalled to Top Gun to train a bunch of uh, fighter pilots to become, to go on the craziest mission possible, <laughs> pretty much. Like, the way they've described it is they went to people and said, hey, what's the most dangerous mission we could possibly yeah. assemble? But also, what's the most dangerous thing that could be possible? <laughs> yeah. like- but also, can we do it in the daytime? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, you add on top of that, Miles Teller playing uh, Goose's son, uh, Rooster. That's his call sign, or his actual what he was actually named. <laughs> uh, but that's it, just the tension there. The, all the new, the new recruits, they're super fun and like enjoyable. Whether it's uh, Phoenix, uh, Hangman, uh, Bob. I was going to uh, say this is the best one, <laughs> Bob. Uh, just super enjoyable and then you've got this lovely relationship between Tom Cruise and uh, Maverick and Jennifer Connelly uh, that is like a real romantic through line of the film Uh, it just feels really wholesome and enjoyable Um, but then it has these crazy thrills Um, yeah just an incredible movie Uh, so happy it was so financially successful like 
insane that it made so much money, but it's it's well deserving. Just you see, like obviously they with there's so much talk of them actually being inside the planes uh, and shooting it that way, uh, and you know it pays off. I feel like the last thirty minutes is easily up there with the last thirty minutes of any film that came out this year. Um, so yeah, Top Gun Maverick. Dylan, what is your number one movie of 2022? My number one movie of 2022 is Top Gun Maverick. What? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, like everything you've just said, I, so I just, I love a good action movie. Like I shit on a lot of action movies, but that's just because they're not very good. But fuck, (laughs) I, I love a good action movie and I get behind franchises that do action right. Um, and this, I think that is, I'll repeat a line I've probably said several times, um, already, but, and the way I described it to people when it was out to try and like get them to go watch it, I was like, but is I, this is the most, the best action movie and the best experience watching an action movie I had in the cinema since watching Mad Max Fury Road. Cause I remember watching Mad Max Fury Road and just seeing them on those fucking cars and the mm. music and the sp- speakers blaring and just being like, I've never seen anything like this before. Like you, you like, you know, you're experiencing something new. And yeah. you, when you watch this and you, they're in those planes, you just, your mind just goes, I've never seen this before. I've never seen like action shot like this because who the fuck has ever put people in planes like that before? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, who's just seen the G forces and all these things that you've never witnessed. Before. Like you can't like, act G forces. You can't act G forces. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's just that. And that last sequence, I, I actually think. I was more like my heart rate would have been higher in the last half hour, 45 minutes, whatever it is like the especially ju- like during the actual flight sequence, my heart rate would have been higher watching that than any like horror movie I watched this year or, or anything. Like I think that gave me a much higher thrill than, than anything i watched this year. I was just like sort of actually edge of seat. I But, but there was a moment where I became aware of like, me being thrilled, which is like a sort of weird thing to describe, but like you become self-aware that you're like, I'm having a thrilling time right now. <laughs> you know, like it's just like I'm enjoying the cinema experience to its <laughs> fullest potential right now. Um, but it's like, yeah, this is the whole reason. Like when people talk about the the because I've watched that at home. It's good. It ain't the fucking way you yeah. should watch that movie. Like, if you missed out watching Top Gun Maverick in cinemas, which I don't know how. They Apparently left it. They kept playing it in cinemas because <laughs> it was fucking there for like weeks and weeks, weeks. Oof. I'm sure there's like a small amount of people that didn't watch the cinema, but you fucked yourself hard. Like, <laughs> that, that, this was a movie and like Tom Cruise shelved it, like, you know, as a, the producer and he would probably kill someone if they tried to tell him no. Um, just fires. I'm surprised it came out on streaming services at all. You know? At all, yeah. He would just like, he's like, this movie, it's like, we're just going to play this yeah. in cinemas in perpetuity. It's cinemas. like, yeah. <laughs> even if it's it just one showing me. a week. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't have shown, uh, wouldn't have surprised me. Um, yeah, like him, sh- like being like, no, we're shelving this until it can go on cinemas. Like, what a payoff that is. Because not only does, does it make it, make the movie way more money than it would have if they dropped on, on Paramount Plus, but like it is that thing. And like, I, I get really annoyed when I see it, still see people online complaining about cinemas and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, you just like, sh- I fucking hate you so much. Like I, I really, get, <laughs> I, I don't think there's a topic that annoys me as much. And like, I see people I respect say it and I see people like I like say it. And it's just the one topic where I'm like, fucking this, oh, this is that, like, if we was having some drinks at a bar, this is the one topic where I'd be like, oh, maybe I should walk away now because I may say something that you won't like, like sort of like, that's why, because I just, I don't get it. Like I, I really like the, 
oh, the cinema doesn't need to exist anymore. I'm like, you didn't watch Top Gun Maverick. Like, <laughs> like this, I understand. You didn't if you're see like, Top Gun uh, Maverick the way it was meant to be seen. Yeah, if you, if you don't want to watch fucking the next rom-com in the cinemas, fine. That's I understand how you you could watch that at home. Like, so understandable. But when we're talking about the full cinema experience, we're talking about fucking Top Gun Maverick. And we're, we're talking about this. This movie is never the same. Like you can't. I don't care if you've got a ninety-eight-inch TV in your lounge room with surround sound system or whatever. It still ain't the same as watching it in a packed cinema with people on the edge of their seats with you, experiencing that thrilling final sequence where they're really in fucking planes for some reason. It's it's insanely, and it's why the it's the yeah my favorite movie of, of the year for sure. All right, great. <laughs> My number one movie of 2022 is Everything Everywhere All at Once. <laughs> I don't want a shocking revelation. Uh, yeah, just a, a, the wildest cinema experience maybe ever, I think. Just, it it was a movie that you did not want, know what was coming next, and you were delighted by that fact. And it managed to pull everything, despite having all these crazy, wild, disparate ideas, it manages to pull them all together and then has an emotional through line that uh, I feel like anybody can relate to uh, about family, about, uh, you know, self-acceptance, about, you know, you know, what do we owe to each other, about, you know, about niceness. So much about this is like, you know, I love Waymond as a character. Um, I love Michelle Yeoh, you know, she's fantastic. So many, you know, this was meant to be the year of multiverses. This was meant to be the year that Doctor Strange, but the multiverse of us came out. We were all going to go crazy about it. But this is the movie that turned out to be the master of multiverses um, with so many different iterations of Michelle Yeoh. Um, as much as I love the movie, the story around the movie is just as good. All the different through lines. Michelle Yeoh finally getting to the chance to show what she's capable of. Kiyu Kwan coming back after 30 years out of the business. That little kid from Temple of Doom, uh, all grown up. Um, I Did you know, apparently, his entertainment his, lawyer? His lawyer is from... Um, is... Ch- no. Yeah, from Goonies. Yeah. Chuck or Chunk yeah. or whatever. I don't know. I was saying Goonies. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so he closed Goonies the deal to get him together. in this movie. They do. Um, yeah, just that. And then, you know, just so such an incredible story. So many incredible, bizarre, laugh out loud moments, whether it's someone fighting with a dog as a nunchuck or Wayman using a. A, a fanny pack to fight off a bunch of security guards, uh, or yes, yeah, someone sticking some trophies up their butts. Um, it is uh, one of the singular craziest cinema experiences I've ever had, and I'm so glad uh, that it was put out because it could have easily not been made. There was a version where they were going to have it starring Jackie Chan, which I'm sure that would have been cool, but it wouldn't have been this. So, so, I kind of, just quickly on that narrative, because, like, I know they talk about this. I hate when the headlines pointed as everything ever, ever, all at once originally set to star Jackie Chan. It's like, it was never set to star Jackie Chan. No. When they were writing it, they had Jackie Chan in mind. And while they were yeah. still in the writing process, 
they realized that the character would be better off as a, as a female for the story. They changed it and then had Michelle Yell yeah. uh, in mind. So it's not like Jackie Chan was ever cast. It was just a part no, of the yeah. creative process. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's my number one movie. Dylan's number two. What a weird you know, end to this episode. Mm, you're like complaining. You're like, well, there's no overlap. Then we our top two movies. They know, you know? Our top two just overlap. Yeah. Overlap. Yeah. All right, let's, you know, before we wrap up, let's give some top threes. Definitely in the top three. So, Dylan, it's meant to be top three honorable mentions, but you do have your 20 set out. So, I mean, I would feel bad if we don't. I don't feel super strong about the bottom couple. I I could do. mm, However many you want to do, I guess. Top five. I'll let you. Top five, I'd feel safe. Definitely in the top five. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I'll I'll give you my my 11 through to 15, or 15 through to 11, I guess. Yeah. So number 15 on my lips. My lisp. Uh, Number 15 on my list was Bodies, 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 the horror movie, horror comedy. Uh, yep. that's just a, a great time again that movie's it's not very scary it's just fun it's just ridiculous characters uh number 14 resurrection the one i watched um only a couple of months back uh rebecca Ferguson. Oh, that no 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 that's not one that's a mission black mission possible one <laughs> rebecca from oh. iron man 3 <laughs> yeah Anyway, her i can't remember last name i'm so sorry uh this is a thriller really good where she sort of um, plays this altogether woman, and then suddenly um, Tim Roth shows up in her life as someone from like the junior yeah. years. Her brain. being it's Rebecca Hall. Rebecca Hall, thank you. Uh, Rebecca Hall, and she's phenom- phenomenal in this movie. Uh, this is just a psychological thriller that just really gets under your skin um, until its final moments. And yeah, it's just two actors being really fucking good, and the way it's shot and put together is just creepy. Like it's not, it's not like this like fucked up things happening. It's just it's uses way shoot and light things and just dialogue is just fucking creepy. Uh, number 13, Barbarian. Uh, a horror movie that, again, is a fucking wild time. And fun. Fun, wild time. Like, I, I don't feel like this movie is super scary. It is more scary than, like, Megan or anything. Like, if you want to compare it to another movie, like, that's currently in cinemas that, like, is, isn't very scary, <laughs> but it's fun. Um, I would say Barbarian is a little bit more scary than Megan, but it's not super scary. But it is a lot of fun. Um, and you're best going into this movie knowing absolutely nothing about it. And it just makes it so much more fun. Uh, the trailers. So I, I, know, I only watched one trailer prior to watching this. And then I actually went back after the fact. And I realized they put out this great trailer. Which I if watched, you want to watch the, I watched Justin, the Long one, Justin Long's next movie trailer. I'm like, yeah, oh, I've never seen Justin, that until after I watched That's such a cool name of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Let's check out this trailer. Yeah. And it turns out uh, it's a trailer for Barbarian. It says, yeah. So I never realized, I watched that trailer after watching the movie. I was like, fuck, that's a funny trailer. The fact that they just set this this whole movie up as Justin Long's like sort of rom-com or whatever. Like some just like, hey, it's Justin Long's next movie. And they're like, yeah, it's some fucked up shit's about to happen. Like, it's, just, well, it's really good marketing. So, um, but yeah, Barbarian's really, really good. Uh, number 12 on my list is Jackass Forever. So of course, um, make a Jackass fan. Um, that movie is just, a blast, a lot of fun, a lot of nostalgia. Of course, like its position on my list is built upon my love for those those guys and this uh, as a franchise, Jackass. So, um, and then number eleven was uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. So, sort of Pinocchio to end all Pinocchio is this beautifully crafted, um, hand animated uh, stop motion, hand animated stop motion. Uh, 
Uh, stop motion film is just not only a testament, I guess, to the craft, but I just, the reason this movie is so good is because, and I loved his speech recently at the, <laughs> at the, um, Golden Globes. Golden Globes. Cause he just straight up says that he just like fucking talks shit to the Oscars, but they keep only nominating. Yep. Uh, animated films that are just made for kids and he says like animation is a as an art form it's not a yeah uh a, like a genre a target it's not a genre that's just targeted at kids or whatever and you know he talks about how this movie isn't for kids kids can watch it they want you know they may have <laughs> questions and stuff like that because that's the thing like I, I really don't feel like pinocchio is a film that kids can't watch i do think it'll it's not fun and it's not fun enough that they'll enjoy it though which is the thing like yeah. that your kids can watch it sure it's not it's not like it's pg probably i think is all it's rated like but i do feel like it's 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 deep enough that it'll bore them or go over their heads because like thematically this movie is much more interesting than any of the disney po- uh pinocchio variations um like the, the setting it in the particular time period dealing with fascism and all these other things is just makes makes the whole story a lot more interesting than it's a wooden boy who wants to be a real boy sort of thing. So, um, yeah, that's my that's my fifteen to eleven. All right. Uh, I only had three out of a mentions, but I'll throw another two on there to continue this top five. Uh, mine are not eleven to fifteen, but you know, it's just some films I feel like I want to highlight at the end of the year. Uh, so first up, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. A wild movie. Just unex- so many unexpected moments and cameos and uh, properties that you wouldn't expect them to be able to involve in this. And uh, yeah, just a, a beautiful, incredible movie. Just a, a lot of fun. Emmy Award winning. Uh, the Lonely Island Dudes. <laughs> just having a ball uh, with this property and uh, is an ode, kind of a weird ode to animation and uh, those stories. So that is one... Uh, Bros, fun gay rom com, just a gay rom com, just a rom com <laughs> in cinemas. <laughs> Crazy concept. For some reason, you saying just a gay rom com reminded me of that fucking British clip that's just been going around. We're just regular men. We're just, we're just, we're just innocent men. We're just innocent men. Because <laughs> every time I see that much women's hotline, it just uh, fucking like- makes me laugh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, just a, a really fun movie, but also obviously so important. Like getting, uh, you know, Billy Eichner, very funny. Uh, but, you know, obviously the normal, continued normalization of gay relationships on screen. Uh, this being the first gay, uh, rom com. Well, big, like, uh, big budget rom, like, big, yeah. There's- pushed by a big studio, big budget. Uh, it made absolutely no money, but you should go check it out because it is very funny and, like, uh, uh, you know the two leads are very uh charming and you know you get invested in their relationship and that kind of stuff uh so bros would be on my honorable mentions list uh i'll also mention i would say black panther wakanda forever it's it, probably the best of the marvel movies this year um Low bar. obviously i mean yeah it was a- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but there's some pretty incredible sequences. Uh, the introduction of Namor, uh, to the MCU, uh, might be a pivotal moment. Uh, I think, you know, he's really interesting juxtaposition to the Wakandans, um, 
Angela Bassett kind of steals the show with a great performance. Uh, yeah, just uh, and also like a br- fitting tribute to Chadwick Boseman and his portrayal as uh, T'Challa. Um, yeah, just kind of seeing the legacy of the Black Panther continue um, was a delight. Uh, Puss in Boots: The Last Wish came out right Did before the end of the year. Yes. Everyone's talking about how good it is now. It is so good. It it I think it pips Pinocchio for best animated film of the year. Wow. They go so hard and like like unnecessarily hard. This is a Puss in Boots movie. This is a spin-off from their big franchise Shrek. This shouldn't need to go hard, but you know, it 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 tackles the idea of mortality like right off the bat. There is an embodiment of death involved. There is uh, so many, like, elements to this. There's, he retires and is kind of dealing with, uh, you know, having to live the rest of his days as not this swashbuckling adventurer. Um, obviously, I I don't think you needed to watch the first Puss and Boots movie to get anything out of this, because uh, I certainly don't remember watching the first Puss and Boots movie, and I think this is fantastic. You also get Goldilocks and the Three Bears, Goldilocks, voiced by Florence Pugh. Mama Bear, voiced by Olivia Coleman. Papa Bear, voiced by Ray Stevens. <laughs> no, Ray Winston. Like, what a great trio. That whole storyline is just as moving as the Puss in Boots storyline. It's Why has no one told me this before? And then you get John Mulaney <laughs> as Jack Horner, who's, who's just hoarding all magical equipment. Oh, so good. Need to see it. Need to check out Puss Boots, The Last Witch. It's incredible. Uh, and then my number 11 in my last of mention, After Yang, uh, the Koganada uh, film about a family whose uh, android surrogate son dies or stops working uh, and then kind of trying to deal with that and then uh, le- f- looking into his memories and how that kind of affects them and everything. Uh, Colin Farrell, great performance. If I was to give an award for one of the best actors for the year overall, it'd be Colin Farrell. Between this, Batman, and <laughs> Banshees, I think he's it'd be incredible. Well, he's had um, a year. He has had a fantastic year. Uh, beautifully shot, um, very moving and touching. Uh, definitely a small movie that I don't, I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can watch it easily at the moment, but I would definitely it's highly rentable. recommend it. I've seen it on... It's rentable. It's yeah. rentable. Yeah, just a small, tender sci-fi movie, <laughs> weirdly, in which Colin Farrell makes a lot of tea. Fair. All right. Uh, let's do our second and final top three list, or our only top three for this week. <laughs> I only have three. Of this episode. Uh, so this is top three films not from 2022. Uh, generally, films that are new to us. Yes. So yeah, Dylan. We'll see number three. I guess I, I went through, so obviously I did the same thing I did last year. I just go to tracks, sort of by yes. movies, just look through your five pages or whatever, you know, like um, to look for films that you watch for the first time this year that aren't from this year. And I was a little bit disappointed. I feel like that in general, the majority of the films I watched in 2022 that weren't from 2022 didn't stick with me. Whereas last year, I remember I watched Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid for the first time. I was like, this fucking movie rocks. Um, and I, that's how mm. I came around. So yeah, I've like, I've got three, but I, I was like, I mean, that's the reason we're doing this top three because you love that movie so much. 
It's like, a good fucking movie. Like, I've never seen it, but it's a good fucking movie. Would it make the like, top of your list this year? There's a, there's a reason that people are like saying that's a good movie. It's a good fucking movie. So, um, all right. So I've got three, but yeah, I was, I was, I was like, the color bill was lower this year. Number three on my top three is, are we doing just wanting to smash them all out or do you want to take turns? We can take turns. I got number three, Hidden Figures. So this is the, I think, I, fuck, when did this come out? Let me look it up real quickly. Hidden Figures that came out in 2016. Um, the story of the, uh, of the, the, the three female African Americans who worked on different elements of the, uh, mission to the moon, I guess, is the, my, synop- my synopsis for this film. Uh, Taraji P. Henson, really good in it. Octavia Spencer, really good in it. Janelle Monet. Really good in it. She's also in something else again. She's really good in. There you go. There's my time. Mm. Glass onion connection. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's a lot. I remember I was, my one complaint was I feel like the movie's a little bit too light on the racism mm. or like whatever else. And, and yeah, I, I stand by that. But the movie is a lot of fun to watch. Um, it does like, that's, that's the sort of thing it does have going for it. It's fun to watch. So, um, and the three, the three main cast members are really, really good. So, um, yeah, it's my number three. Hidden figures. All right. My number three. Con Air. Nicolas Cage movie about a bunch of conflicts on a plane when the plane gets heisted or taken over by a bunch of other convicts. Uh, of course, I watched this in preparation for <laughs> Unbearable Weight of Math of Talent. And uh, turns out, Con Air, pretty great movie. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, you know? Out of the easily the best next. Fucking, I'll tell you what, I. I- you're, you've you've got some films I know that you've watched this year, and if your number one isn't what I'm hoping it is, then you're fucked. Like, because I know you've watched some things this year, so like, it's just <laughs> yeah, uh, really fantastic, a lot of fun. You know, Nicholas Cage being Nicholas Cage, and like John Malkovich being John Malkovich, and so many other characters in this movie. Uh, why didn't anybody tell me to watch it before? So yeah, Connor. Uh, my number two is the 1996 film by David Cronenberg, Crash. Um, very weird movie, but, uh, very well, like, like all Cronenberg movies, like the commitment to, to his vision, I guess, um, helps with the, the film. So, but it's, it's about James Spader's character who has a car accident and then sort of falls in with a bunch of other people who sort of fetish, 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 fuck, I can't say it. Fetish, fetishize. fetishize, yeah, fetishize uh, car accidents and not all car accidents and also just in general, like, fucked up shit. I don't know. It's, it's just way to summarize that. But yeah, so you got James Spader, uh, Holly Hunter, um, Elias Costas, Deborah Carr-Unger, like the main uh, people. Uh, he also has a partner, Rosanna um, Arquette, who's in it. Um, and he sort of slowly starts pull, pulling her over. It's just, it's a really interesting, I guess, exploration of a sub, like subculture of like sex, I guess is the easiest way to play, but it's really beautifully shot. It's just these really great performances, performances. It's fucking weird at times, grotesque, but also it just sticks with you. And you're like, I'm not sure if I liked it or not. And then, you know, six months after I watched it, I'm sitting there doing this list, and I'm like, I think I'd like that movie. <laughs> so, let's go crash. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's an interesting turn. <laughs> mm. My number two. Swiss Army Man. I went back. I watched the Daniel's debut feature film. Freaking crazy. 
mm. you know, the origin story of their craziness. Just a, a, a weird, weird survival movie about a man and a corpse trying to get back home. Mm. And, you know. One played by Daniel, Rag- one played by Paul Dano, and the course played by Daniel Radcliffe, um, who magically comes to life. And uh, yeah, there's wild, crazy adventures in the woods together. Just a uh, yeah, it's a film I'll never forget. <laughs> sure, that dead body can do any anything. A dead body can do so many things. Yeah, um, it's crazy that we don't live in a world where dead bodies are used for everything. Course, yeah. yeah, we we're really. Not utilizing we're great under- natural utilizing res- our de- yeah, our we're dead not using this incredible natural resource that we have mm. corpses. You ride those things like a fucking speedboat if you did that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Dylan, what is the number one movie not from 2022 that you watched this year? Uh, my number one movie is a movie that you can actually hear me talk more about because we just follow cars for it. It's a uh, 20th Century Woman, so the mm. Mike, uh, Mike Mills movie, uh, about fuck <laughs> how do you describe this movie uh it's about a this uh family i guess even though they're not all related or whatever but you see you got the young you got the young kid and then you got the the older character and you got the middle-aged characters and stuff now i guess it's just sort of about it's about it's about generations it's about generational changes between the way i guess women view themselves and also the way men view women and um yeah it's just it's a very interesting film um stuck with me very beautifully shot uh, fantastic acting by everyone around of course it's not a bad p- p- performance in it i like the way it's like structured with um these sort of interludes of uh, commentary and also like news ties tying into uh, real events and all these sorts of things it's really well um paced and put together in, in that way but yeah i just very interesting film very well put together character piece um really really enjoyed it all right my number one is also a movie that we've done a spoiler cast for. <laughs> it's Old Boy, directed by Park John Wook. Uh, the the revenge, I guess, film about a man who's been held hostage for twenty, like, like seven, years. fifteen years, yeah. <laughs> uh, who gets released and then tries to uncover why he was uh, captured and uh, put in this position. Uh, just a wild, uh, I keep saying wild, uh, crazy story, incredibly violent, uh, incredibly heartfelt at times. Uh, yeah, just a in- engrossing movie that, you know, uh, you know, I can understand why Park Chan-wook, uh, is one of the most well-regarded filmmakers going around, why old boy is held in such esteem, uh, Best movie I watched, not from 22. Not two comments. Not from hey, 2022. You seemed very adamant, like, that you didn't want to watch this when I was like, let's watch Old Boy and everything like that. Like, I don't know. If I don't know. It, yeah. It's, like- it's just one of those things, you know? I'd, I'd heard things about the film. Uh, that, yeah, it's fucked you know, up. Yeah, that was fucked up. And, like, it is fucked up. It is fucked up. And it turns out I, I enjoyed that level <laughs> of fucked up. <laughs> yeah? And number two, did you not watch Jaws this year? Dylan. You fucked. You are so <laughs> fucked. Like, you, do not make the top three. You are fucked. Like. Dylan, let me tell you, yeah. it probably would not have been number four. Because, you know, 20th Century Women, that was a pretty great movie. <laughs> really oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, was awesome. <laughs> You're f- 
Check out ExplosionNetwork.com because, you know, I'm playing. What's your number three? Con Air. <laughs> Jaws is Come way on. Con Air. No, Jaws is Come way better Con Air. Like, like, if you no. want to keep old boys number one, what, fine, number two, whatever, but fucking Jaws is way better than Con Air. Yeah, people have. Jaws would sense. eat that fucking bear. Bunny, what whatever it was. Bunny? The stuffed toy. Jaws would eat that. Doesn't seem very necessary, but okay. Fuck that kid. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> <laughs> let us know your top 10 favorite movies of 2022. Let us know your top five honorable mentions and top three movies that were not from 2022. Let us know how you really feel about Jaws by going to explosion.com slash Twitter or jump down Discord at explosion.com slash Discord. If you want to help us out here at What Do You Want to Watch, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. Leave us five stars and then we can leave five stars. Uh, tell people about the show. And if you've liked this episode, enjoyed what we've done here at the Explosion Network this year or at What Do You Want to Watch, head over to our Kofi page at explosion.com slash support. Uh, and of course... Go to explosionable.com slash best of 2022 to check out all of our best of 2022 content. Of course, this is our last week of best of 2022 content, so you can already read all our best of gaming, best of TV shows, uh, and we've all got all our best of movie stuff coming out this year. What's going to be number one? I feel like it's down to two choices. But <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.